love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Hi, Love Savers listeners. This is Keith Davis, the proprietor of the Golden Pear Cafes. As I enter my 30th year of marriage, I encourage you to seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom for your marriage, for He is the one who can help you day by day in building a lifetime of peace, joy, fond memories, and a beautiful family. When Anne walked into the Golden Pear to apply for a job as Golden Pear's first pastry chef, I had no idea that God had brought my future wife and mother of our three children literally to my front door. But that is exactly what he did. And although we have had our challenges and ups and downs, God has richly blessed our marriage and he gets the glory for our 30 years together. So I encourage you to seek God's will and use Love Savers as a resource to improve and bless your marriage. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Today's guest author is Crawford Loretz. He and his wife Karen wrote the book, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. They say, build your marriage now that your kids will thank you for later. Your parents' marital choices have greatly affected your own attitudes and actions in your marriage, for better or worse. They say your choices will affect your children and grandchildren and so on. It's time to get proactive about your marriage legacy. Sandy talks with Crawford Loritz today about his book, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, Making Your Relationship Matter Now and for Generations to Come. Let's listen. Hi, Dr. Loritz. Hey, Sandy, how are you? All right. We're going to discuss your book, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, that you wrote with your wife, Karen. And let me ask you first. We live in a culture where marriage seems to be under attack. How do we Mm. get to that place, do you think? Well, you know, I think there's a number of things that... uh, I think the, the 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 moving away from objective truth, uh, for one thing, uh, has caused a whole lot of problems. And with the removing away from objective truth, comes sort of like taking ourselves under away from uh, uh, accountability and God's original intention for marriage. And I think uh, things snowball um, from there. The divorce culture that we have. Uh, created over the last 50, 60 years is, um, you know, has just created isolation. And uh, and then the constant redefinition of what marriage is all about and what it all looks like and uh, trying to redefine things to help us feel good about where we are, all of that, uh, you know, just spells danger for for marriage and, uh, and the pressures and all of the dysfunction that sort of come out of that. So all that shrapnel... Uh, hits the institution of marriage. 
Right, that's a good way of putting it, shrapnel, right. What is God's vision for marriage and the mission he charged us with? Well, you know, it goes back to creation. Um, marriage was created, marriage and family was created to mirror the relationship that the Trinity has in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And uh, he created, God created man and woman and, 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 and told us to be fruitful and to multiply, which means that we're to pass on the image of God and nurture that image from one generation to the next. And uh, marriage is to tell the truth about what a relationship with God looks like. So marriage is not just about us, but marriage is a, is a gospel witness and testimony to a, to a watching world what a relationship looks like and what 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 uh, a family looks like that honors the Lord and is committed to Jesus. Right. You talk about legacy. How does marriage affect future generations, for better or worse, would you say? Well, you know, I think the question is, are this, I, I would just turn that into a statement. Marriage will affect future generations, for better or for worse, and, you know, some people say, well, I don't want to leave a legacy. Well, that's <clears throat> that's an irrelevant deal. If we're living and breathing and relating to people, we aren't going to leave a legacy. And, you know, uh, all of us, uh, we, we tend to we tend to gravitate toward and, and replicate that which we have seen, the influences in our lives and, and uh, uh, the decisions that have been made that has affected us. Uh, we, we tend to live that out. And so um, our marriage was intended to really forecast what a relationship with God should be about and how two people coming together, living out God's principles, should love each other and should model those principles. And so we pass that image on, that incarnational influence on the succeeding generations. And, uh, you know, for example, in my background, uh, I've been blessed to have a um, uh, a mother and a father uh, who who are together and they loved each other. They loved us, and uh, you know they they modeled a great marriage. My dad comes from a long line of intact marriages, and that influence on me has been profound. And so, and so you can say just the opposite too. Unless people come to know Jesus, um, you know the condition of their background tends to just sort of be like a magnet. It says, hey, look, you're going to do the same thing. Right. You know, you talked about different experiences that you came from in your background. How did you begin to work through those differences? <laughs> I mean, the common ground is Jesus. You know, um, my wife, I mean, she's sitting right here, in fact, uh, she... Um, she comes from she comes from a background. Her mother was a, a 19 year old unwed um, mother, and that's when Karen was born. And uh, uh, she, as as she, as she points out in the book, there, um, you know, marriages were not they, they didn't have intact marriages for generations, and and there was a lot of single moms in in her in her family, and so you know, the, and these women were very strong women. Well, when you, you know, here I come from a, a different background where an intact family and this kind of thing, and we come together, of course, we're different. 
and uh, and uh, so we've had to work through some of those things. And my wife is not a passive person, and uh, and neither am I. And you get those things working. Uh, in the first couple of years, we've had to work through a few things. But what I would say, um, the thing that brought us together was the power of the gospel and uh, the person of Christ. And, and my wife loves the Lord Jesus and loves his word. And in fact, that's what drew me to her. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's been that, that common ground, the cross, that has made the difference. And she would say, too, as we talk about in the book, there are some wonderful women that came into her life in the church where, as a teenager that she grew up in, after she gave her heart to Jesus, that modeled before her what it really meant to uh, to love her husband and what it really meant to be a wife and a mother. And, uh, and, and so she saw some of those positive role models, and they mentored her and discipled her, and that made a huge difference. Amen. What encouragement... Can you offer a couple who perhaps doesn't have a legacy of strong marriages? Is there hope for them? I guess. Right. Karen is an example, right? Yeah. Not not only Karen, but my mother is too. My mother never knew who her father was. And, uh, And yet she came to know Jesus at an early age. And this is what I would say that, that, uh, um, Never underestimate the power of Christ to step into our lives and to change everything about us. Um, he can He can give us a new beginning. Uh, if any man be in Christ, any woman be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. And uh, he can He can He can change those things. Listen, I, I say this often: if God can raise a dead Jesus then he can change the negative influences in our background, and uh, he's able to do that. But I would give hope to them that way. It's, it's the cross, but also to look to other godly mentors. If you didn't have a, a good role model as a mom or a dad or couples in your background, your parents, and maybe you didn't have that, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't get it. That there are, there are godly older couples who, in many of our churches, who are just waiting for younger couples to ask them, hey, can you speak into my life? Can you help me? Can you, uh, you know, show me and give me some uh, tips on how I can be a better wife or a better husband or a better mom or dad? And uh, so we, we just need to humble ourselves and find out who those couples are and let them speak into our lives. And then, of course, there's all kinds of wonderful resources out there. Um, you know, I've been associated with Family Life uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and Family Life Today and uh, the Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences. There's all kinds of marvelous resources out there that can help us all. Yes, and we should take advantage of them. Probably most of us don't take advantage of them enough and struggle on our own, and we have to know when to reach out, right? You write that most marriages that fall apart do so because of failure to pursue three crucial choices that are talked about in Genesis 2.24. Would you share with our listeners what those choices are? Yeah, uh, you know, when, when God brings Eve to Adam, he makes this grand 
declaration of the purpose and mission of marriage. He says, therefore shall a man uh, or woman leave their father and mother, cleave to one another, and the two shall become one flesh. Well, the decisions are, are the leaving and, and uh, making sure that uh, we leave home emotionally and uh, psychologically. And I also point out, uh, leave home physically. Now, I know that there are times in which we all go through difficulties and that kind of thing, and perhaps parents have to help us a little bit, but I think there needs to be the declaration of independence because this is the new relationship, so the leaving is terribly important. And the failure to leave home either emotionally, psychologically, or physically causes a whole lot of problems. So that's a decision that has to be made. Uh, cleaving has to do with the, an inseparable bond that is made. Um, that this is now the, the priority relationship in all of life. And it's an intentionality that's there. Um, that, look, intimacy and oneness in marriage is always threatened. It's threatened by the busyness of life. It's threatened by the devil. It's threatened by the culture and society and all, all these other things. So you got to choose to, to cleave, to move toward one another and, uh, and to realize that, uh, that this new identity, this inseparable union has been declared in the covenant of marriage when we said I do. And so that needs to be nurtured and making sure that we're making each other the priority relationship in our lives. And then the becoming of one flesh, becoming one flesh. Typically, we, we, we say that that's the sexual union, and I do believe that that is a sexual union, but I think it's, it's, it's more than just that. It's not just experiencing the sexual union. It's also experiencing an ongoing, growing, knowing of one another, which has to do that, uh, uh, you need to make, we need to make a decision when we get married that we're going to be lifelong students of one another, and we're going to, we're going to go on this journey together that no one knows me better other than Jesus. No one knows me more. No one knows me better than my wife. No one knows me more. No one knows me better than my husband. And that we, we are one, but we're going to grow in that oneness. And so those are the three primary decisions. Yes. Our default is to drift. And mm. um, I heard a pastor say one time, that when divorce happens, it usually begins when the couple drifts into their own independent mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. they drift toward independence rather than that oneness. They go yeah. back into independence. So how do we avoid that in marriage? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the way you raise the question is, is the answer to it. The way to avoid it is to make a decision that we're going to move toward one another. And, you know, um, <laughs> there's the old hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Well, uh, we're prone to selfishness. And our natural default mode uh, is self-preservation. And if we don't feed the relationship, if we don't keep making it a priority, as I said a few moments ago, uh, if we don't if we don't address issues and and resolve the conflict, and um, you know, if we just it, it, naturally we're going to pull away and the distance will take place. And then, if we're not careful, 
other things, other things will become um, um, attractive to us, whether it's another man or another woman or whether it's interest or whether it is something else, that will fill that void in our lives, and now you're in trouble. And, uh, and so, you know, relationships are intentional. I heard uh, Chuck Swindoll say something many, many years ago that I have quoted quite often. He made the observation that great marriages are not kept together by feelings of love, they're kept together by a commitment to love, right. meaning meaning that, that love is a choice and a decision, and we've got to nurture it and be vigilant about it. And uh, if, if not, then we're going to naturally just drift apart. Right. And you hear uh, couples say, well, we just have grown apart. Well, yes, yeah. remember it's a choice and don't let that happen. Find exactly. a way of it not happening. If it's sharing, you know, your love of God or sh- and sharing the same interests, recognize it, right? Yes, that it's exactly. a devil's tool to grow it, apart, it absolutely right? Is. It absolutely is. Isolation is is the primary tool of the, of the wicked one yeah. to get us isolated, and then you get into distorted thinking, and before you know it, you've you've made some very foolish choices. Right. And uh, but 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 it's it's like you know, but the, it's it, it happens so subtly, you know. Exactly, uh, you have to wake up and be so conscious, and like you said, right. intentional, and keep that's making right. those choices, or that's it just right. happens without you even realizing it until yeah, it's yeah. too late, right? Yeah, that's right. And as a pastor, I've seen that when I've seen. Couples come into my office and they said, well, we, we just don't love each other anymore. Well, what happened? I don't know. We just drifted apart. Well, some stuff did happen. And, and then when you, when you, when you kind of, you know, unearth all the stuff, there are small decisions, small little choices, small little things where we neglected one another or, or little things that we stuffed or we didn't resolve this issue. And before you know it, it's just layered and layered and layered, and now you've got a mess. And uh, and so that's the reason why we need to press into to intimacy and resolving these issues. Right. Like we were talking to a couple that we were counseling recently, and uh, she had looked to another man, uh, as you had mentioned before, you know, one of the, the reasons that uh, divorce happens. And she said, I should have never done that. I sh- I wish I had never done that. And yeah. I said, right, you know, yeah. you should have. And so we do have to be intentional with our choices and wake up and be conscious and recognize what's happening to feelings or around us or whatever, and make those proper choices, right? That's right. That's right. And then we also need to, to do all that we possibly can to uh, not not cause our partner to be pulled in those directions. Now, I'm not saying we're all responsible for our choices, but I think we need to make sure that we have nurtured and valued one another in such a way, spent time with one another, in, in such a way that we've communicated our love and commitment to them. And there is just a, a, a storehouse, a reservoir of, of love and value that uh, that's in their tank 
So in these moments and these choices where you're threatened or tempted or this kind of thing, there's a reality of that love that's hovering over you and around you. That's right. And respect, respect. You know, they often say that it's the woman who needs love and the men need respect. But it's really both. Uh, yes. You know, you, that respect is so important. One great researcher in the marriage field of conflict said he can just tell the percent. You know, there's a percentage he has that 95% of people would divorce if they've lost that respect and he hears contempt in their relationship to each other. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. respect is so important. Respect is very important. Uh, uh, and and tre treating each other with dignity. Exactly. One of the things that happens to all of us in a marriage, you know, you get accustomed to one another and you get, you know, you, you, you get used to one another's uh, shortcomings and failures yeah. and this kind of thing. And if, and if we're not careful, you can get a little bit, um, I, this sounds strange, but you can get to a place where you're overly familiar with one another and you don't, no longer treat each other with dignity. Right. Little, little barbs and little little little, little raising of the voice, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and and I think we need to model what it really means to be treated with love and dignity and respect. And um, you know, the golden rule applies to marriage, doesn't it? That yeah. we need to treat others the way we want to be treated. Yeah. And. Uh, and don't, we shouldn't talk to each other any old kind of way or be dismissive and that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, that, that adds value to the relationship. Yes. What three habits given during life to a marriage and that we must make second nature? Well, those three habits can be summarized in just one thing. I know I, I, I delineate them in a book, but those three habits can be summarized in one thing, and that is the, the constant pursuit of an authentic relationship with Jesus. You know, um, uh, that, that's really at the end of the day what it's all about. Uh, the, 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 the health of my intimacy with the Lord Jesus will tell the truth about every other relationship that I have. And, uh, if I am pursuing him and, and daily in his word and responding to him and taking care of the sin in my own heart and life and applying God's word and, uh, and loving him, uh, then it's going to help me to be selfless in my relationship with my wife or, or Karen would say the same thing in her relationship with me. So the cornerstone habit has to do with a constant pursuit of the Lord Jesus and my spiritual health and spiritual vitality. And we can't compartmentalize that. And so that is the number one thing. And I think I also say that, uh, you know, the habit of, 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 of forgiving one another. You know, a commitment to be married is a commitment to forgive. Because we, we, don't, we don't marry the fourth member of the Trinity. We marry a living, breathing human being. And, uh, that, that has, uh, shortcomings and failures and, and, and so do we. And so what we've found is that you've got to have the ability to express and receive forgiveness. And that has got to be a habit in the relationship. And so that's very important as well. Yes. How does our character impact our marriages? Well, our character is everything, you know. 
at the end of the day, it's it's not what we say, but it's it's who we are. Yeah. And uh, you know, character and integrity go together. Uh, uh, character has to do with what we've done over a long period of time. And integrity has to do with the ability to be trusted over a long period of time, um, that we do what we say, and that there's, there's not hidden agendas, there's no compartments in our lives. And so our character is so terribly important. In fact, that's all that we bring to life is who we are. And so, um, you know, I think one of the worst things that could be, ever be said about anybody is that we cannot be trusted. And so trust is everything. Trust feeds character. Trust feeds integrity. So it's important that, that in a relationship, uh, my wife knows that I'm going to do and be what I say I'm going to do and be. And that when I'm with her, um, um, you know, I'm the same person than, than when I'm traveling and staying in some hotel room uh, 500 miles away, that, uh, that I'm trustworthy. And so character is everything. It's doing what you promise and following through um, uh, and seeking to be an example of the destination so that uh, you bring hope and, and a sense of confidence in, uh, to the relationship. Yes. When it comes to conflict, what does it mean to choose what offends you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know... It, in a very real world, I mean, we've had to learn this through the years. I think and Karen and I have been married now for 47 years, and and she would probably say the same thing. Some of the things we used to get upset about, you know, after in the first few years of marriage, you know, you look back over that stuff and you and you sort of smile and laugh because you say, well, that, that was a little bit ridiculous. And what I say by choosing what offends us uh Look, we, we have we have 24 targets and six silver bullets. You can't shoot at everything or you're going to run out of ammunition. <laughs> um, and so I think sometimes sometimes the better part of wisdom is, 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 is to step back and realize, okay, now is this something that really impedes our oneness? Is this an issue that really is going to be a barrier in our growth together as a couple? Or is this something that, you know, I just, I just don't like? Now, you might talk oh, about right. that, but I, w I would turn the heat down on things that, that don't impede the oneness in a relationship. I mean, you may address it, but you, but you gotta make a choice. Now, am I gonna get all that upset about this C minus issue? You know, let's say that, um, my wife, this is a silly illustration, but let's say I like, I like the toilet paper rolling from the bottom. And she likes to have the toilet paper rolling from the top. Now, really, am I going to have a knockdown, drag-out fight and have to go to counseling because uh, we can't come to agreement about this? It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you have to say, well, you know, the, the great thing is we have toilet paper in the bathroom and on to the next thing. Right. <laughs> you know? right. So I think you have to pick your battles is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Uh what are some things that a wife needs from her husband? And on the flip, how about what a husband needs from a wife? Well, I think um, what, a, what a wife needs from her husband is for him to be trusted and for him to be a provider and to him, for him to show up and give moral, spiritual, Christ-like leadership in the home. Uh and you know, and that's 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 what a wife needs from her husband is, and for 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 him to give her time, 
to never withdraw more than he deposits into into uh, her heart and her love tank. And I think uh, husbands need from their wives they need they need to be respected. Um, you know, I had to tell you, and it's hard for many women to to get this. But a man can go out there and be beaten up all day long and, uh, um, you know, whether it's on his job, things are not going well or, or people criticize him or, you know, he's gotten some bad email or whatever. But when he comes home and gets the same thing from his wife, it hurts. There, there's a hurt there that uh, it just cannot be articulated. And a man needs to be respected. I didn't say worshipped but needs to be respected by by his wife and not to be put down. He right. needs to be supported. He needs right. to be supported by her. Yes. Encouraged by her. Yes. Um, that's what he needs, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Lawrence, thank you so much for this wonderful interview. And we recommend to all our listeners Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow by Dr. Crawford and Karen Lawrence. And... I will just say goodbye and God bless for now. Well, thank you. Okay, bye now. Okay, okay, thank you. Right, bye-bye.